So we won't be here long, but we're going to talk about, continue talking about managing disappointment, dealing with discouragement. So over the past four weeks, Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean have taught the series Managing Disappointment. This series has been much needed teaching for the body of Christ. I'm not sure uh, what you've gotten from it, but I've found myself being able to locate myself in several areas where I was uh, actually disappointed, where I had not dealt with some things. And this teaching has allowed me to overcome those things. But as I was going through this, I realized that there is a level there are some things that occur when we don't deal with disappointment, all right? And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, many believe that being born again exempts you from life's challenges, but this is far from the truth. Being born again guarantees me victory. It does not exempt me from the battle. Go ahead and type that. Say, being born again guarantees victory, but it does not exempt me from the battle. So even though I'm a born again believer, even though I'm set free, I'm delivered, I'm sanctified. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. It does not mean that I won't experience a battle. It does guarantee, though, I will come out unscathed. It guarantees that I come out on top. It guarantees that no matter what happens, God will work it to my benefit. It guarantees me victory. John 16 and 33 says it this way. These things have I spoken to you so that in me you may have what? Peace. In the world, you should have tribulation, but be of good courage, be, but be courageous, knowing that I have overcome the world. God has already overcome your situation. He has already overcome the circumstance. He has already overcome the diagnosis. He has already overcome your financial situation. He has overcome depression, lack, and insufficiency. He has overcome high blood pressure, diabetes, uh, cancer, uh, blood disorders. He has already overcome that. He says, be courageous. The fact that he tells us to be courageous means that there will be opportunities for us to walk in fear. There will be opportunities for us to doubt and have unbelief. There will be opportunities for us to, to rely on our flesh and think that it will not work. But here's what I know. He has already overcome the world. So though I may not be exempt from life challenges, I can have peace through the challenge. We can rest assured that we will come out victorious if we faint not. That's what Galatians 6 and 9 says. This is why it's important to spend time reviewing the management dis managing disappointment series. Go back and listen to it again. Don't despise repetitive teaching. Why? Because there are things in that teaching that will help you deal with disappointment. And as a human, disappointment is part of the things that we're going to experience, but disappointment does not define me. Disappointment does not define me. All right. It is inevitable that you will experience disappointment. However, if you have the right tools and you employ those tools, you will be able to successfully extinguish disappointment. Say, I use the word to extinguish disappointment. I, I use my tongue to extinguish disappointment. Why? Because when I begin to speak what the word says, then disappointment has to go away. I deal with it. I address it. I acknowledge it, but I do not accept it. And we're going to dive into that really quickly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity 
to come into your, your place of worship, even though that may be our homes, that may be our car, that may even be our workplace. But Father, we thank you that wherever your word is, God, we know that you are present. Your spirit is present. Father, I send Holy Spirit to every person that is watching this or will watch this. I thank you that you will fill their hearts with peace, comfort, and joy. I thank you that your word extinguishes disappointment and discouragement. I thank you, God, that your word brings hope. It brings joy. It brings uh, peace. It brings comfort and completeness. I thank you that we'll be changed after hearing this word and we will walk in great power, great authority, and understand our foundation is always the word which gives us the ability to walk in faith and our faith changes the facts that we see every day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's define disappointment as uh, going back to Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean's teaching. All right. They define disappointment as this. Disappointment is the feeling of dissatisfaction that follows failure or the perceived failure of an expectation to hope or manifest. Disappointment uh, arises when the reality falls short of our expectations. It's the feeling of sadness or dissatisfaction that comes from experiencing a gap between what we hope for and what actually happens. And you can have disappointment in the smallest of things. Have you ever went to the store or went to a restaurant and you ordered a large drink and then they came back and they had a small, that feeling like, ugh, that was disappointment. Why? Because your expectation was to get a large, but the reality that occurred for you is that you got a small. And that oof that you feel was simply disappointment. Disappointment in itself is not a bad thing. And so I'll say it in a little while, but I'll say it now. We got to acknowledge disappointment, but we don't have to accept it. You must acknowledge. You're right, Latanya. Unsweet tea, but they bring sweet tea, right? They be disrespectful. I was talking to April yesterday about how people just don't care. I, if I go somewhere, I may order a drink and I'm like, hey, no sugar whatsoever. And then I come out and then I taste it. I'm like, this don't taste right. April tastes you like, yep, they got sugar in it. Why? Because at the end of the day, they're just in there. But we don't allow that feeling of dissatisfaction to linger. We have to acknowledge it. All right. For example, you might feel disappointment if you apply for a job and you didn't get the job or if you, your friend said, hey, we're going to go to the Usher concert and they brought tickets and then you didn't get to go because something came up. Right. All of those are just life experiences that lend themselves to having a feeling of dissatisfaction that follows a perceived failure or a different outcome than what you desire. And there is nothing wrong with the feeling of disappointment. All right. Some of you may have felt disappointment when you saw me instead of Pastor uh, Edwin and Pastor Sean. Let's just be real. Your expectation was one thing. You thought Sean and Edwin was going to be here, but they not. You got the little yellow boy from South Arkansas. And here we are this morning. Right. So your expectation was that they will be present. However, the reality is you got me. Some of you, though, were not disappointed. Right. At all, because you had information. This information was that Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean was going to be on the East Coast teaching. This information gave you the opportunity to set your expectation. We're going somewhere with this. So it wasn't that other people were just, uh, 
disappointed, and, and some people were. The fact was, based off the information you have, it allows you to set your expectation. Information is always going to be the basis for expectation. Information is always going to be the basis for expectation. That is why when some get a bad diagnosis, they accept it as fact and as truth. However, when others get a diagnosis, they only accept it as fact, but they know the word, which is information of God, is truth and truth changes facts. So what I want to tell you to, today is that as we navigate through this teaching, the information that you have will determine your expectation. And so when you have an expectation and it's contrary to what God told you you could have, then it's not that we get disappointed. We just go back to the word and say what the word says. Look at Abraham. In Romans, it says that he considered, that word considered means to think carefully about something. He considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb or his own body now being dead, being 100 years old. So Abraham had information. He had a reality that his body was 100 years old, that Sarah's womb was dead. That's what the facts were. That's what the information was. And so he had an opportunity to be disappointed. He had an opportunity to let earthly facts dictate to him how he would feel, how he would think, how he would move, and if he would let go of his anchor. Abraham had earthly facts, but he dismissed them and replaced it with the truth. So when disappointment comes, we acknowledge the fact that we disappointed, but we replace the disappointment with truth. I know I didn't get the job, God, but you said this is a year more than enough. This is a year I'll make six digits. This is a year I'll become a supervisor. So though the experience, though the reality that I just experienced left a gap between my expectation and what actually happened, I still know to be true. Just like Father Abraham, I will not stagger at the promise of God. He hoped against hope. And our job as believers is to hope against hope. It doesn't matter what your bank account says. It doesn't matter the pain that your body may be in. It doesn't matter how many failed relationships you may have had. It doesn't matter how many times your kids don't listen. What our job is to do is to use the truth of God's word as our anchor to not allow disappointment to rock us to and fro. It says, in other words, in the natural, there was no hope for Abraham. There was no reason to hope. But in the spirit, there was a reason to have hope. He wasn't disappointed because he had information. He had a promise that anchored him. Believers, I'm talking to my believers this morning. Do you have a promise that anchors you? What's your anchor? Because Abraham said, yeah, I see the facts. I see that Sarah has never had a baby. I see that my body is old. I see that we've had, we've gone through the acts of reproduction multiple times over generations and decades and decades and decades and no seed has come from those actions. But what I have is an anchor and that anchor says that I will be a father of many nations. That anchor says that I, I am, that my name had been changed, right? He, his name had been changed. He had a word. The word was his anchor. So the information, the word of God becomes our anchor so that disappointment doesn't 
cause us to let go of what God has promised. So even in the face of adversity, even in the face of letdown, even in the face of unexpected outcomes, we still have an anchor. Hebrews 6 and 19 says it this way. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Now listen what the anchor is for. Now, if y'all been going to FOC long enough, you understand what that word soul means. He says, we have this hope. This hope is the word of God as an anchor for the soul. He says, this anchor is for your mind. This anchor is for your will. It's for your emotions. It's for your imagination. And it is for your intellect. Why? Because though I may experience the emotions, they don't move me because I'm anchored by the word. Though I may feel sad, though I may feel depressed, though I may feel let down, though I may be thrown off by unexpected outcomes, the word of God is my hope that anchors my soul, my mind, my will, my emotion, my imagination, and my intellect. It says, anchors for the soul, firm and secure. This hope is referring to the promise of God. This hope is anchored in the belief in God's unchangeable character and the assurances of his promises. That's why we can't despise repetitive teaching. That's why we don't miss a word. We got those four commitments. We show up for every service. We pray in tongues. We read our word uh, daily. And we uh, take communion more often. Why? Because all of those things are helping to secure, secure our ankle anchor. So we got to understand that it is my job to keep my anchor in place. There are ships, I've gone on a couple cruises and different things like that. And you'll notice when it's, when it's moving, uh, the anchor's not down because you're, you're making progress somewhere. But when you begin to dock at a place, you'll see them throwing ropes overboard to hook up to the, the pier. And then they will drop the anchor. And though the boat may sway here or there, the location never changes, even if storms come. Why? Because it is anchored. For many believers, we carry around the anchor. We carry around the word. We go to church. We rehearse things, but we have never dropped the anchor. We have not allowed the word of God to be the thing that holds us down. Coming to church does not bring freedom if you don't apply what you hear at church. Coming to going praying to God doesn't bring freedom if you don't apply the words that he give you in prayer. Doing those things don't change you unless you do something with it. I think the Bible says it's something like this. Don't just be hearers of the word. But be ye what? Doers also. All right. So our hope as an anchor for the soul, the enemy is going to use disappointment to try to get you to denounce your hope. He uses disappointment to try to get you to denounce your hope. He uses disappointment to distract you from the word and open a door to discouragement. He uses disappointment to distract you from the word because if I can get said, knocked off. If I can get said to lose 10 track clients, then I can get him to begin to, to wonder if God really did this. If I can get, if I can get three, the enemy, like if, if they hear three no's from the, from the lenders, they, they may just get disappointed enough that, that they just denounce their hope. They just don't think it's possible anymore. And so they hear a no and then, but 
And then they just like, oh, okay, this is the fourth note. This is the fifth note. This is the sixth time I started this business. This is a this is my third marriage. This is this is the fourth camp therapist I've had. Will I ever get over this depression? Will I ever get over this mindset? Will I ever get over this injury? Will I ever get over this hope? He is trying to use disappointment to get you to denounce your hope. Because the enemy in and of itself cannot stop you if you're a born again believer using the word. But he can put things in your way or life could just happen. Because we ain't giving the enemy credit. Life could just happen. And things occur that causes you to be disappointed. And the question is, will you allow disappointment to denounce your hope? He uses disappointment to distract you from the word and open the door to discouragement. He wants you to release your anchor so that you may be moved by the wind and the waves. Go ahead and say that. Say, I will not, I will not take up my anchor. I will not take up my anchor because anytime I focus on disappointment, anytime I focus on unexpected outcomes or the gap in the reality of what I thought would happen and what actually happened, anytime I begin to focus on that, then what happens is the focus is taken off of what God has promised. So when the focus is taken off of what God has promised, it's like me pulling up my anchor. The thing that was supposed to hold me down, the thing that was supposed to secure me, because my focus isn't on that, I am pulling up my anchor and causing, and when I pull up my anchor, and you may not even be aware that you're doing it, but every time you focus on disappointment, every time you focus on the wrong outcomes, every time that feeling of disappointment comes into your life and you don't deal with it, then you begin to take up your anchor and then the enemy is able to move you to and fro. The Bible says it in Matthew 24 and 27, he says, Jesus states that those who hear his words and do them are wise builders, right? The word is our anchor. It is our foundation. It is the thing that keeps us stable in the storm. And so no matter the outcome, I will still trust God. No matter the, 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 the diagnosis, I'll still trust God. No matter how many no's I get, I'll still trust God. No matter how many times uh, my, my, the one person I'm believing God, believing God for to be coming to the kingdom, no matter how many times they do drugs or do the thing that, that's contrary to the kingdom, I will trust God. Why? Because all a no does, I mean, have y'all ever been on a trip? And I like, we're going, we, we travel often for spring break. And when we're driving, we'll be going. And as we're going to our trip, we have a route that we expect to get us there. Uh, and as we're traveling this route, oftentimes we encounter uh, uh, traffic. And traffic can be a disappointment because you are expecting to get there at four o'clock, but then now you're going to get there at five o'clock. And see, so many times what we do, we allow time to wear us out. See, it's not that you won't get there. You're just not getting there the time you thought you was going to get there. But here's the thing about when I realize that I'm in traffic. When I'm using the GPS, no matter the obstacle that comes in front of me, 
All it does is reroutes me to get me back to the situation. So when you go to the bank and they tell you no, all that's happening is Jesus is rerouting you to your yes. When the second bank tells you no, all that happens is you're rerouted to the yes that God has prepared for you. So you got to change your perspective. I know the outcome didn't come out the way you wanted, but God has rerouted you to get you to his yes because the promises of God and him or I mean or yet in him or yes and amen. Your promise is already secured. Your outcome has already been been made for you. You gotta stay committed to the route that God has called you to walk on. Why? Because he's always rerouting you. He's always rerouting you. And so here's the thing you have to address disappointment. Acknowledgement is not acceptance. I'll give y'all a second to type that. Acknowledgement is not acceptance. So you applied for the job. You didn't get the job. You felt disappointed. You didn't address the disappointment with the word and you didn't use strategies provided in the Managing Your Disappointment series. You just suppressed that disappointment. Uh, you say, I'll be fine. I'll just apply for another job. I'll move on. You know, my job is out there. However, you're really not fine. Your hope is slightly being eroded by you not acknowledging and dealing with disappointment. And if you know anything about a foundation, if you ever had a house, your foundation could be solid. It could be perfect. And it only takes a trickle of water over a period of time to begin to erode a foundation and begin to cause a house that was once stable to begin to fall. And that's what unacknowledged disappointment does for the believer. When you just suppress your disappointment, when you just say, I'm moving on, and you don't use the word of God to deal with that disappointment, right? Because acknowledgement is not acceptance. What happens is your hope is slightly eroded. Your faith is slightly eroded. Your anchor begins to be lifted slightly. And so what happens is over time, this disappointment after disappointment after disappointment turns into what we're going to talk about tonight, which is discouragement. I say tonight, I'm so used to refresh. What we're going to talk about this morning, which is discouragement. You must acknowledge disappointment and address it because unacknowledged disappointment has the capacity to move into what we call discouragement. Imagine disappointment as an unattended cut. If you address it, it heals and you are fine. However, if left unattended, it becomes infected and it gets much worse. This is what you can see discouragement as. Disappointment is a gap. It is saying, you know what? Hey, the outcome was what I wanted to. But like Abraham, I stay focused and anchored on the word. That's my hope that anchors my soul. But when you don't acknowledge that feeling of letdown, when you don't acknowledge that feeling of disappointment and you just suppress it and say, I'm, a, I'm OK, I'm a tough guy. You know, men do it all the time. And there's a lot of men. And I'm going to address men that are walking around discouraged 
because you never dealt with the disappointment. The disappointment that your father wasn't there and he didn't love you the way you want to be loved. The disappointment that your mother wasn't there. The disappointment that people that you were you cared about were not there to support you. A lot of people didn't deal with disappointment and now as adults, they are discouraged. And what discouragement does, it erodes the entire foundation. And there is no hope, there is no faith because you're overwhelmed by the presence of the reality and it not being what God promised you. And so today we're going to just tweeze out a little bit of the Managing Disappointment series and we're going to hone in on this thing we call discouragement. And so before we get into that, let me go back one step and say to acknowledge something is simply to see things as they are, whether you like it or not. See, acknowledgement is what Jehoshaphat did when he found himself uh, having to go to war. Well, that's what Jehoshaphat did in 2 Chronicles 20 and 3. It said, and Jehoshaphat feared. He acknowledged, he simply stated how things are. That's what it says in 2 Chronicles 20 and 3. Jehoshaphat acknowledged his emotion. He was afraid. He didn't have to like it. He didn't have to dislike it. It was simply the fact at the time. However, as born again believers, we acknowledge it, but we don't accept it. And like Jehoshaphat, he did not accept faith, the fact of faith, fear as his truth. He ran to the word. And so you, if you read the rest of 2 Chronicles 20 and 3, it says, and he set himself to seek the Lord. If you have been listening to any of this Managing the Disappointment series, you'll understand that one of the first things that we got to do to stay out of disappointment, or, I mean, to acknowledge disappointment, but not allow it to progress into discouragement, is that we got to stay rooted in the word. Pastor Evan and Pastor Shana said it every time they talk. They're in, I was listening to them this morning when they was teaching at Victory, and they said the same thing. Number one, you got to stay rooted in the word. You got to maintain your profession of faith. You got to stay connected to the faith community. These are all things that Jehoshaphat did. Look what he says. It says he set himself to seek the Lord. That's staying rooted in the word, right? And he proclaimed the fast throughout all the Judah. He said, the whole community, we are about to hear God. And the thing about this is this, that the answer to their issue didn't come from Jehoshaphat, but it came from somebody else in the community. Sometimes you dwell in dis disappointment and it becomes discouragement because you don't allow your, you don't stay connected to your faith community because sometimes your faith community has your answer, but you are in isolation. And anybody who's ever watched, I watch a lot of uh, Disney with my kids or like Animal Channel and things like that. And anything that you know as a predator, predators don't look for the healthy animals grouped together. That ain't what they're looking for. Predators are looking for the, the injured. They're looking for the ones that are out there by themselves. They're looking for the ones that are solo. They're looking for the ones that, that are just out there uh, without any help, without any community. Why? Because they become an easier prey. And so what the enemy tries to get you to do is discard community. I don't need nobody. I don't want nobody all up in my business. I deal with disappointment myself. He tries to get your pride to rise up. I don't need a therapist. I mean, I can handle this. I know I'm hurt. And, and, and I talk to my me and I know she hurt me, 
right? You, you love that girl and she broke your heart and, and now you hurt. But instead of dealing with the hurt, instead of dealing with the disappointment, you have now allowed it to become discouragement. And that discouragement is eroding every relationship you get yourself into. Because the thing about discouragement, it is never, never settled with just impacting you. It wants to impact everything around you. And so like Jehoshaphat did, we acknowledge the feeling, but then we run to the word. Hear me when I say this, being disappointed isn't a bad thing. It's a human thing. The important thing to, to do is address disappointment so that it doesn't give birth to discouragement. All right. So here's a prayer that you, you could pray. Right. For example, Father, I'm scared. I feel overwhelmed. My body is not responding the way I thought. However, I know your word is truth and your truth changes facts. So I rely on your word. I refuse to allow myself to observe with my senses and allow that to erode my faith. I keep my anchor in you, God. I declare that my mind, my soul, my will, my imaginations all align to your word. In the same way that you deliver others in the Bible, you not being a respecter of persons and my faith always working and bringing me back what I have desired, I know that I am delivered. By faith, I am healed. I acknowledge how I felt and I progressed through that. Now, I may have to say that over and over and over until it becomes so real in my life that that feeling of disappointment is no longer there because in my mind, in my imagination, in my Holy, Spirit, Holy Ghost imagination, I see the finished work because that's what faith is. Faith is the receipt. It is the, it is the finished work of what God has promised. So I use my faith to keep me and pull me out of disappointment so that my anchor stays in the ground and I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, blown from left to right by the wind. I'm not toppled over by the storm. My faith is my receipt. My, the word is my anchor that keeps my soul at bay. But unresolved disappointment doesn't magically disappear. Suppression just causes more and more disappointing events to pile upon another, resulting in unrecognized disappointment. In all sincerity, many people want this. Most people want a successful relationship, but you, don't, you no longer have the confidence, enthusiasm, and hope to pursue a successful relationship. Most people want healing, but you don't have the confidence, enthusiasm, or hope to continue pursuing uh, healing. Most people want peace, but you don't have the confidence and enthusiasm or hope to continue pursuing. Most people want financial st stability, but you don't have the confidence, the enthusiasm, or hope to continue pursuing. Most people want to move on from the passing of a loved one, but you don't have the confidence, the enthusiasm, or the hope to continue pursuing. Unbeknownst to yourself, discouragement has released your anchor. Discouragement has torn away your anchor and you're now living life without hope. You're now living life without hope. And that's what we're going to address. Let's define discouragement today. Discouragement refers to a loss of confidence, a loss of enthusiasm, a loss uh, to continue pursuing a particular goal or path. Let me read that again. It refers to a loss of confidence or enthusiasm to continue pursuing a particular goal or a particular path. 
This emotion can be triggered by a series of disappointments or a particular significant one, such as death, sudden sickness, loss of empl employment or tragedy, leading to a feeling of hopelessness or giving up. For instance, after repeatedly facing setbacks and achieving a goal, you may feel discouraged about your chances of success in the future. When we become discouraged, we lose confidence and enthusiasm to continue to pursue the purpose on a certain path. I'm a teacher, so let me break that all down. Disappointment says this. I applied for the job. I didn't get it. I'm disappointed. You don't deal with it. You send another resume in. You don't get a call. You send another resume in. You don't get a call. And so, but you are never confessing the word. You're never maintaining your profession of faith. You're just sucking it up and saying, I'll, I'll send in another one. But you're not dealing with how you feel. And so over time, the suppressed disappointment, over time, the, the no's, over time, the lack of response from employer has employers has caused you to lose confidence. It has caused you to lose enthusiasm. It has caused you to let go of the goal or continue on the path. And that, my friend, is what we call discouragement. And that's so where disappointment is a gap in, in expectation. Discouragement is when you have moved from disappointment to the fact that you no longer have hope. It's a loss of confidence. It's a loss of enthusiasm. It's a loss of faith. It's a loss of saying that this is even obtainable obtainable anymore. Some of y'all in relationships, you've been married before, you've been or you've been dating a couple people and, and it just not worked out. And, and every time you like, it ain't no good men out there. It ain't no good women out there. That's discouragement talk. Because if you were in faith and the Lord told you that you could be in a relationship, then you don't care what's out there. God will cause a rock to grow up into a man. He'll cause a rock to grow up into a woman and be the very thing that you need. But what discouragement does, discouragement makes it seem like the outcome is no longer possible. And so that's a question today. Am I discouraged? How do I know if I'm discouraged? I'm discouraged if I no longer have confidence, if I no longer have enthusiasm, if the thing that God has told me no longer seems a reality, then I have slipped from disappointment into an area of discouragement. And when I'm discouraged, you move from having hope to hopelessness when you no longer see the desired outcome as possible you're discouraged. For my mom, I remember my mom was alive. She was discouraged about my grandmother's death. It had been almost a decade since my grandmother had died. And literally my mom could look at a picture of my grandma and it would be like somebody just told her her mama died. She never knew it. She never moved past the disappointment. She was discouraged. And that discouragement eroded part of who she was because because she wasn't ever able to move past that she couldn't be everything she needed for God or other people and see what discouragement does it eats away at parts of you so you're not your whole self so you can't be a whole husband or a whole wife you can't be a whole mother or a whole father you can't be a whole employee or a whole CEO because what discouragement does it rolls away parts of you, parts that are needed for you to be your complete self and walk into the calling that God has called you to walk in.
And so what we got to understand is that I have to acknowledge disappointment so it doesn't become discouragement. And once I realize I am discouraged, once I realize that I have feelings of hopelessness, once I realize that I have, uh, I'm concerned about if I ever have a healthy relationship, if I ever be healed, if I ever have a good career, if I ever have peace and joy in my mind, if I ever have financial stability. If you find yourself asking those questions, you are finding yourself in a place of discouragement. Proverbs 13 and 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So you recall what God has said. It's not that you, that's good, uh, Dexter. Discouragement is a faith cancer. You're right. Hope defers makes the heart sick. So knowing that you're supposed to have better, but not being able to see the better can be frustrating. It can be sickening and it can make you angry or upset. You can find yourself being offended with the very person, God, the very person uh, your pastors, the very person in your community that's designed to bring you from bondage into freedom. And see, the problem is a lot of people's pride doesn't, nobody walks around and say, Pastor Raph, I'm discouraged. You don't hear people say that. And, and especially to my man, we don't walk, we, the society isn't even set up for a man to walk away around and say, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm discouraged. I'm sad. Uh, I, I, I just don't feel good about myself. I don't feel good about where I'm going. I don't. Well, it's not even set up for that. But that's why we're being a uh, we're building a community. Shameless plug. If you're a man and you ain't become part of Outer Circle, I encourage you to message me or somebody or good Facebook and say Outer Circle because we're building a community of integrity, character, and excellence where we're raising up men. Me. Me being raised up too, we're raising up men and we're building a community where we're going to be our best in our families, in our uh, on our jobs, as parents, in, in every aspect. And it's going to be a safe place where you can say, hey, I'm discouraged, fellas. I need help. So join out a circle. But anyway, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so what we got to do is not allow the enemy to use this device of discouragement to keep you in a state of eroded hope. I will not allow the enemy to use the device of discouragement to keep me in a state of eroded hope. It is doubt, unsure if possible, but then it turns to unbelief because discouragement isn't just satisfied being discouragement. Discouragement comes and brings doubt. Doubt then begins to cause you to have unbelief. Doubt is saying I'm unsure if it's possible. Unbelief says it's no longer possible. And see, with discouragement comes unbelief. They are like power twins. They working together because if you're discouraged, most likely you're in unbelief. You no longer see hope. You no longer see possibilities. You no longer see it being pop, uh, feasible to have what God has promised. And so that's what discouragement is. And so how do I overcome discouragement? I'm so glad you asked. How do I overcome discouragement? And see, the thing that we got to uh, have to realize is this. With discouragement, there's this other word that we don't always talk about a lot in the body of Christ. There's shame. Because when you begin to be discouraged, you begin to move, move into shame. And when you move into shame, uh, shame itself is an idolatrous act. You can't be in shame at the same time and see God as Lord. Because if I, in order to be in shame, I have to say this, 
I am not good. Guilt says, I messed up, I move on, right? Shame says, I am bad, I am broken. Well, the word of God says that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The word of God says that you're the, you're the apple of God's eye. The word of God says that you, you built just like him. The word of God says, dwell on these throne room realities that I'm just like God. So in order for me to operate in shame, I have to move my magnification. I have to move my perception. I have to move my thoughts from throne room realities to what I see in the flesh. And so shame itself is an idolatrous act that pulls me outside of the will of God. And so the enemy can get me discouraged. If the enemy can use discouragement to cause me to have unbelief. If the unbelief can then begin to cause me to walk in shame, then I am now living life as an idolater. I'm living life as an I'm making myself my own idol. Why? Because the word says you're whole. The word says you're complete. The word says you're good. The word says that he that the old things are passed away, but hope all things are new. But shame says you're broken. And so if we are walking around in shame, it is because we have magnified our own selves. We have magnified our own flesh above that of God, which is an idolatrous act. And so what we have to do is say, God, I repent for making me bigger than you. I repent for making this situation bigger than your uh, your promises. I repent for bringing, taking up the anchor of being your word. And I declare that I am, like Keisha say, I am whole. I am complete. I have the mind of Christ. My body works the same way that you designed it to work. I declare that uh, I am everything that God called me to be. I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I have everything he said I can have. I am God's favorite child. Because if you understand anything about being a favorite child, see, I was my grandmother's favorite child. That meant as a favorite, I could go in the house when she told everybody else to stay outside and play. When you're the favorite, when there's only one popsicle left and there's five kids outside, you can sneak in and ask grandma, can you have it? And she say, baby, sit over here and eat it by me so nobody see you. When you're the favorite, you understand with favoritism, comes access. And so what shame does is tries to make you think that you broken, tries to make you think that you're the outcast, tries to make you think that you're not the one that God died for on the cross, tries to make you to think that you're not the one that he created the earth and created a garden for. And then he said that and even when you screwed it up and you messed things up and you sin, he tries to get you to think that you're still not his favorite. That's what the enemy does. But God says, baby, I've been coming for you for, for, for millennia. Ever since Adam sinned, I have you have been my favorite. I have not lost sight of you, even, even when your when when your sin was as scarlet. I allowed you to argue with me so that you can prove my word and I honor it. He says, I, I have no variable. Uh, I don't change. The same God that promised you 
those things in the beginning is the same God that will bring you through now. He says, you're my favorite child. I know you've messed up. I know the world makes it seems like you'll never have financial stability, but you are my favorite child. Understand that disappointment is just an opportunity for you to trust me. Disappointment is just an opportunity for you to exercise patience and let patience have our perfect work so that you may be perfect and entire lacking nothing because you, Keisha, you, you Dexter, you Kim, you Brenda, you Joy, you're my favorite child. And all I've ever wanted for you is to live the John 10 to 10 in life. One of abundance and overflow. But you got to deal with disappointment. You got to deal with discouragement. So how do I overcome discouragement? How do I overcome discouragement? Oh, we're doing good. All right. So number one, we got to be honest with God and rest in his comfort. Psalm 34 and 18 says it this way. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. God is intimately aware of your struggles, including discouragement, and he is present to provide comfort and healing. You don't got to hurt anymore. And, and you act like God doesn't know your heart. God knows your heart. God knows that those no's have broken you and he wants to restore you. But you got to be honest with God and choose to rest in his comfort. This is just the same teaching, just spiraled a different way, because that's what we do as educators. It sounds just like number one. You got to stay rooted in the word, right? It's the same teaching. It's just because as educators, as teachers of the word, we got to present multiple ways for people to get information. So you got to stay close to God and you got to rest in his comfort. He's aware. Number two, you got to know that you are not alone. You have help. Go ahead and type that. Some of y'all need to type that. Say, I have help. I have help. And here's the thing, you don't get to determine what your help looks like. You don't get to determine what your help looks like. I know some people, and I know some people that have spent five months trying to figure something out before they ask anybody for help. And I know people who will spend 30 minutes trying to figure something out and then they'll ask for help. And then you got people that are in between. And so this is what I'm telling you. You can't allow yourself to operate in isolation when you know you don't have your solutions. God is your help, but he may also call other help in the form of community, in the form of a therapist, in the form of a nutritionist, in the form of a deacon or an elder. And what you can't do is allow your pride to cause you to discard your help. It reminds me of the, uh, uh, I forget the man's name, but it reminds me of the man that came to be healed. And he told him to go dip in the water that was dirty. He said, go dip seven times in, in, in the water. And he's like, I thought you would do something different. I thought you would do this or do that. And his servant said, do you want to be healed or not? Like, do what the man says. And he went and did what the man says and he was healed. Sometimes if you're not careful, your pride will keep you from your solution because your solution is a therapist, but you refuse to go. Your pride will keep you from your solution because your solution is to go back to school, but you refuse to go. 
your pride to keep you away from your solution. So it's not that the outcome isn't what God told you it could be. It's just, it's your pride. It's your refusal to receive help that keeps you bound. So Isaiah 41 and 10 says this. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. That word dismayed means lost or bewildered. So don't be lost. Don't be bewildered. I'm your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hallelujah. Every time I hear that, it reminds me of uh, the God and word. From, uh, he says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so what I am telling you, I'm speaking to my prideful people now because I hear this by the spirit. You got to accept help. Man, you got to accept help. You got to understand that you are not meant to navigate in this by yourself. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but one of the things we'll talk about in a minute is community. You have help. You have the word of God, but you have community and you have resources in the earth. God will send you a doctor that's aligned with his word. He'll send you a financial uh, advisor that's aligned with his word. A lot of times you stay in a place of brokenness because you won't, people have thrown you a life raft, but you won't grab hold of it. Because really you don't, you don't want to change. You want to, you want to be rescued and then stay in your situation. You don't want to come out the pig pen. You just want provision while you're in it. You want your cake and eat it too. You want to live the life you want to live while God gives you everything you feel like you could have. But that's not how it works. You got to be willing to do it God's way. It says God encourages us not to be overwhelmed by our circumstances, promising his promise, his presence, and his support. Pastors are a support. Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean, they are a support. They get, they help to see the blind spots in our life. Community that, well, let's just go to number three because we're talking about seek help from others. Galatians 6 and 2, in case y'all was thought I was making this up, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, that aligns to Pastor Sean's number three, stay connected to the faith community. We got to carry each other's burdens. Say it doesn't have a situation going on in his life that he can't talk to me about without judgment. Now, I may tell the brother he wrong, but I ain't, I ain't got to judge him. I mean, it's like, bro, you run for that. You out of bounds. You, you, you let down your boundaries. That's why you're here. This is what we're going to do to fix it. And then I'm going to hold you accountable to fix me. Sometimes we don't want to have tough conversations with people. Sometimes we avoid those tough conversations. And that's why you try to always operate in isolation. Some of y'all don't bring y'all booze around because you know deep down they ain't good for you no way. So in, or, in, in an effort not to be told what you already know, you just keep them from the believers. You don't bring them to the hole. You don't talk to anybody about what you think about the situation. You allow yourself to be God of your situation because you refuse to hear other people and seek out help from the community. And, and, and as the old preachers would say, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. Why? Because there is something about vulnerability. There is something about accountability. There is something about discipleship. There is something about being, being uh, transparent with your community, with your tribe that causes you to be your best. It just is. And so that is why 
You can't be out here fooling with everybody. I told y'all on Wednesday, there's a person I like a lot. Uh, I don't see any issue with this person, but the Lord said that ain't your people. And so I can't allow the fact I like them and I think they cool to change the fact that God said they ain't your people. And so that's why it's also important that you go to church where God tells you to go to church. Why? And seeking help from others in the church God has called you to, then there is people in that church designed to be a part of your community that helps grow you up, to pull you out of disappointment and to help you uh, release your anchor so that you may be, your soul may be anchored on the word. There, there's help there. But when you refuse to attend the church God called you to attend because it requires you to drive. So you can drive for work. You can drive for vacations. You can drive for groceries. You can drive for dates. You can drive for concerts, but you can't drive for freedom. Make that make sense. Right? You, you'll get on the plane for this. You'll get on the plane for that, but you can't get on the plane for the word. And so a lot of times it is our lack of transparency with our own selves that even allows us to walk into a freedom that God has designed for us to have. Y'all don't like that. I see y'all Y'all comments dry. Let me move on. Number four, let me move forward. Renew your mind through God's word. See, I can talk about this and you're like, yeah, Lord, I got the mind of Christ. Yeah, yeah, you do. Just, just do the mind of Christ. Don't just say you got it. It says, Joshua 1 and 9 says this, I have, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He says, look, I have, have I not told you, child? Have I not told you be strong? Have I not told you be courageous? Have I not said, don't be afraid? Don't be what? Don't be discouraged. He says, don't lose hope for the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. See, even when you in that bed sinning, even when you up there doing the thing you don't supposed to be, the Lord still has not abandoned you. He hasn't. You can't go anywhere that the Lord can't find you. He says, so have I not commanded you? Be strong and be of good courage. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Don't take up your anchor. Have I not told you that already? He says, I will be with you wherever you go. But here's the issue. Here's the issue. Some of us must adjust our expectations. We must adjust, adjust our expectations. Pastor Ralph, what do you what do you mean by that? Are the plans? I'm discouraged about even God's plans for me. You discouraged about some plans, but they ain't the plans God had for you in the first place. So you seeking freedom for something God is not obligated to give you liberty for. He told you to leave the, you're, you, let's use relationships because people like relationships. You still with boo, right? You still with boo. You still on that job. You, 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 you still got the same spending habits. And you're so sad because God told you to leave that job. He told you to leave boo. And he told you to change your spending. And you walking around here disappointed because you have more month 
then you have money. You walk around disappointed because your boo also got a side boo. You walk around her dis disappointed because your job won't promote you. And the problem is, problem with that discouragement is this. It is hard to find freedom from something you have now shackled yourself to. It has nothing to do with God. God told you to leave the job. Your freedom comes through obedience. God told you to leave boo. Your freedom comes through leaving boo. God told you to diet uh, or change your nutrition. Your freedom comes through that. But you're discouraged because you overweight because you ain't changed. Now, y'all know I've been known to just say things how they are. What, what it is, you believe you're more committed to your mouth and your food and your belly than you are to God. You're more and, and you're discouraged because them pants don't fit the way they you thought. I thought I could put them on. You can't even zip them up. And you're sad about it. You're sad. And, and I say funny stuff because I know through, through, through being a teacher that funny stuff helps retain information. So you you sad because your back looks like biscuits, right? You sad because of that. And here's the truth about it. That sadness is there, but it won't leave because you haven't adjusted your expectations to line up with the plan of God. And so though you're discouraged, though freedom is available, though God won't leave you and he has not forsaken you, it is the fact that you have not adjusted your expectations to agree and to align with what God has said so he may advance you to the place you're supposed to be. So there is a discouragement that you don't get rid of when you choose to not do it God's way. Your relationship's broke because your picker broken and you won't let nobody help you. Part of the reason that you may not be able to get a job because you don't let anybody look at your resume. You got misspelled words. Your, your formatting is off. But because you got a master's degree, you think you know everything. Okay, boo, stay unemployed. Stay at your job. Why? Because there's help in the community. That... The, you got to renew your mind through God's word and renewing your mind through God's word means that I got to let go of myself being God. I got to remove myself as an idol. I got to let go of my pride. I got to let go of my what I think of myself. I got to let go of, of, of my own character. I got to let go of all of those things and I got to choose to renew my mind and line up with God. Because that's when I am anchored in my soul. But there can't be freedom where you continue to bondage your own self. All right, number five. Number five. Know that God will not allow you to be ashamed. Hallelujah. God will not allow me to be ashamed. Go real quick. Go ahead and say that I choose God's way because it's better. I choose God's way because it's better. Some of y'all, y'all pride acting up. Just go ahead and type it. I choose God's way because it's better. He's smarter than me. He already knows. God already knows what he's going to do. He's smarter than me. He's seen every, every possible outcome, every possible situation, and he has always delivered. Why? Because he's smarter than me. I choose God's way because it's better. I don't care if you got four degrees. I don't care if you've got 
graduated valedictorian. I don't care if everybody think you're all there in a bag of chips. God's way is better. But why? The Bible says it this way. There is a way that seems right unto men, but the end thereof is destruction. God's way is better. Now you go to number five. Know that God will not allow you to be ashamed. Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame. But because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So I did us all a favor. I went and took this and walked it out into uh, out in the Greek. And I want to reread this to you. I didn't put it in the uh, notes, Coach says. Don't go look for it. It says this, not only so, but we boast, we're proud of, we, we, we exclaim when we come under pressure. We know that pressure perfects or it completes our cheerful endurance. Cheerful endurance, right? That perseverance, that's cheerful endurance. Cheerful endurance perfects or it completes the test. The test perfects or completes confident expectation. So when I think, so what I got going is this. I ain't worried about this suffering. I ain't worried about this disappointment. I ain't worried about this outcome. Why? Because what I know is this. When I become under pressure, I boast in pressure. I praise God in pressure. I, I worship the Lord in pressure because I know pressure is going to complete my cheerful endurance. It's going to complete my perseverance. And then I know my perseverance is going to cause me to pass the test because I'm not going to quit in the middle of it because I got consistency. I got patience. I have faith. So I won't quit. My perseverance completes the test. Now, here's the great thing about the test. The test is going to strengthen my confident expectation so that the next test comes around. I know that the same God that delivered me once will do it again. I know that the same God that did it then will do it now. He is the same God. And that confident expectation that I have will never allow me to be disgraced. I don't ever got to be ashamed. Why? Because the pride that I take in pressure, that pressure perfected my perseverance, that perseverance perfected caused me to pass the test. That test gave me more confidence and expectation. That confident expectation made me realize that God will never allow me to be ashamed. He is not a God that dangles the carrot out there before me with a stick, only for me never to be able to catch up. He doesn't have a stick taped to your back with a carrot hanging from it. So as you move forward, the carrot moves forward and you never are able to grasp the thing because as you move towards it, it's moving also. So that is not the God that we serve. When we experience pressure, that pressure is perfecting our cheerful endurance. That cheerful endurance, that perseverance is causing us to pass the test. I won't quit on God. I won't take up my anchor. I won't be disappointed. I'll acknowledge disappointment so it doesn't become discouraged. I refuse to lose hope. I refuse to let go. I know that what God said will be the thing that I see. I refuse to consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. I refuse to consider my bank account. I refuse to consider the salary that I get for my job. I live the way I live because God takes care of me. 
My salary is a resource. It is not my source. My, 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 my job is a resource. It is not my source. My education is a resource. It is not my source. My knowledge is a source resource. It is not my source. My bank account is a resource. It is not my source. I refuse to have expectation in anything other than God. And because of that confident expectation, I don't have to worry about being ashamed. I don't have to worry about saying this is a year overflow. I don't have to worry about saying that this that that, that this is a year from that my family will be saved. That this is the year that my healing manifests. I don't have to worry about speaking because if you like, oh, I wonder if this is going to happen. It's only because you ain't had enough tests to prove that come to give you that confident expectation. That's why every time God asks you to do something, you should be doing it. Why? Because every time he gives you an opportunity to do something, then he gives you an opportunity to prove to, uh, to come under pressure because you got to choose. Am I going to do what God said? I'm going to do what the thing I want to do. And then when I complete that, then it gives me a confident, uh, it gives me cheerful endurance. It says, you know what? God came through for me. Then that gives me the ability to trust God the second time. It gives me the ability to trust God the third time. It gives me the ability to know that God won't leave me out there alone because everywhere I go, there he is, always pointing me back to his best. It says, because the affection and benevolence of God gushes, bring that, put, please put the end of that scripture back up. Because the affection and benevolence of God gushes in our heart, thoughts and mind by the Holy Spirit. God doesn't bring things. Let me note this. God doesn't bring things on you to make you stronger, but he does use the things that happen to us to make us stronger. God ain't take big mama. I always, I always got to tell you, God ain't taking people out of your life. But what he will do, as Romans 8 and 28 says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those whom he has called according to his plan. God ain't mad, God ain't mad no more. There's a whole series that we taught in Conway. So he ain't mad at you. He ain't taking stuff. But what he will do is take the things that life bring to us and cause us to come out better than we did before. That's what he'll do. All right, let me hear you up. Because I, I'm, I'm, let me hear it. Number six. It's only seven of them. So we're almost done. Number six, you got to remain grateful and pray. Remain grateful and play. First Thessalonians 5 and 18 says this, give thanks in all circumstances. Sometimes, so that means when they told me, no, God, that I didn't get the job, when you got that, when you got the email and it says, hey, thank you so much for applying for this job, but we've chosen to go in a different direction, uh, but we'll be happy for you to continue applying and looking for opportunities with our company. Do I give thanks in that situation? Absolutely. Why? Because that no didn't change the outcome. The enemy wants you to believe that a no changes the outcome. A no does not change my outcome. Some of y'all need to look at the scale and say, hey, I'm going to stay committed to this nutrition plan God put me on because a pound does not change my outcome. You went back to the doctor. And he said things weren't any better. That doctor's report does not change my outcome. So I give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ. And then you know what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, right? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the Bible is encouraging us to bring our concerns, including our feelings of discouragement, to God in prayer, promising peace in return. And see, this is the thing that you got to understand. Praise and gratitude. This one, number six right here. Number six is a, it's, it's a mood shifter. Number, number six shifts the environment because when you begin to praise and operate in gratitude, it'll begin to shift your perspective. All right. All y'all right now, let's just take 13 seconds and start. And I want you to start naming things that God done for you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this beautiful house I get to live in that I know on paper that I didn't have everything needed to make be able to come in this house. But Lord, I thank you that you made provision. I thank you that I have kids in my house that are healthy and whole and they're in their right mind. I thank you, Lord, right now that I have way more money than I have month. I thank you, Lord, that I'm in my right mind. I'm healthy. I'm whole and I'm complete. I thank you for deliverance from diabetes and ailments and arthritis and all that. God, I just thank you that you're good to me. I thank you that I woke up this morning and I love that. I thank you for oxygen. I thank you for being here and being present, Father. I thank you for that. What's happening right now as you begin to do that? How are you feeling? You feel hopeful. You feel encouraged because praise and gratitude shifts perspectives. It creates a place for the word to inhabit. Y'all all heard that scripture. God inhabits in the praise of his people. Really what's happening is your praise is putting the right perspective on the situation. It's not that God didn't want to inhabit or he wasn't there in the first place. It's that you became aware that your solution was in the room because praise caused you to tune in. Power 92 is playing right now, but I don't hear. You know why? Because I ain't tuned in. But when I begin to praise God, when I begin to let God know how I'm grateful for all that he's done for me, it doesn't cause God to move. It causes me to tune in to what he has already done. So I got to remain grateful. I got to pray. I got to praise God more than on Sunday when Elder Valley is on the keys and Pastor Chris doing her thing and she's uh, ushering us into worship. I got to be able to praise and worship God right now uh, on a Tuesday at 1.53 when I got news that didn't come through the way I wanted to when the outcome wasn't what I expected and I had that gap in reality and expectation and disappointment showed up. I got to give thanks to God that what I see in my reality, I know my soul is anchored. So God, I thank you that the no that the bank just gave me is not my outcome. My outcome is yes, Lord. And so I thank you, God, that you are navigating me to my yes. I thank you that my yes is out there. I thank you for favor with man. I thank you that, that your favor goes before me. I thank you that my name is being spoke of in, in banks across the uh, United States and that my yes is there. I thank you that I see, I hear, and I understand. I thank you that you're putting the right people in the right places so that the provision that you have for me is manifested and deserved. God, I thank you for all you've done for me. And when you begin to do that, you're not moving God. You're moving yourself in line with God. You know what Pastor Evan used to say? Alignment, right? Alignment and agreement, advancement. So when I begin to praise God, when I begin to be grateful, when I begin to pray, when I begin to worship, it aligns me and it causes me to agree with God and it advances me to the place I'm supposed to be. All right, number seven, and we're, gonna, we're done. Rely on the promises of God's strength. 
I'll just read the scripture to you. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. No, you don't got the situation his grace ain't sufficient for. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Let me help y'all. Some of y'all, this is my pride for people. I, I know I'm talking to y'all a couple times today. Accept weakness. Accept that you can't do it on your own. This is exactly what God needs so that he can perfect his will for your life. As long as you think you can do it on your own, God can be God. It's not until you surrender, until you humbly submit that God is able to become 100% God in your life. Right now, you let God operate about 75% and then it's about 25% you. He says, accept weakness, accept that you can't do it on your own. This is exactly what God needs so that his, his will can be perfected. It is in your strength that God is weak. It is in your strength that God is weak. Hear me. It's when you think you got all the answer that God is weak. Not that he is weak in, in reality, but he is weak in your life because you're relying on your own self. And you already know what Jeremiah 17 and 5 says about that. It says, but in your weakness, he is powerful and his will is made perfect. Hallelujah. His will is made perfect. So as we close, know this. Discouragement is a part of the human experience. However, it does not have to be the final say unless you let it. Discouragement is part, disappointment is part of the human experience. However, it does not have the final say unless you let it. Through faith, community, gratitude, praise, prayer, and a focus on the promises of God, we can find strength to overcome and we see the manifestation of the promises of God. I'm going to say this prayer with you and we're going to give and we're out of here. Heavenly Father, we come before you acknowledging the weight of disappointment and discouragement that sometimes presses upon the hearts of people. We recognize the frailty uh, of their spirits and that they may become disheartened in the face of challenges and setbacks. But Lord, we thank you that for them, there's deliverance from the shadows of discouragement. For them, there's deliverance from disappointment. We thank you, Father, for unchanging your unchanging nature. We thank you for being a rock, a fortress, and to deliver in times of need. You are close to the brokenhearted, Father, and then we, you save those who are crushed in spirit. We cling to your truth, and we find solace in your promises to be near us when our hearts are heavy. Father, we love you and we thank you. We ask for your strength to fill us in areas we are weak. We choose weakness. We choose to not rely on self so that you may be fulfilled in our life. Father, we thank you that your light to shine and your light will shine in the darkest corners of our doubt. We thank you for your warmth of your love to remind us that we are never forsaken. Hallelujah. We are never forsaken. Father, help us to see our situations through the lens of your perspective. Knowing that you're, you, what is impossible with man is possible with you, God. Thank you, Father, for a renewal of hope within our hearts. We pray that Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, reminding us of your great and precious promises. We commit to not growing weary and well-doing, knowing in due season we will reap a harvest because we refuse to give up. We refuse to cave in and we refuse to quit. Father, help us to trust in your timing and to believe that you're working all things together for our good and, our, and your glory. We thank you that we embrace 
the, the title of being your favorite child. Father, we grant us the courage to step out in faith to believe for the manifestation of your promises in our lives, whether it's healing, provision, restoration, or the fulfillment of your call on our lives. Let us see your hand moving mightily on our behalf. Lastly, Father, we also declare freedom for those who are uh, battling discouragement. We pray that they are open. Oh, that they are overwhelmed and surrounded by people and community who exhibit your love and encouragement. Uplift and support them in their time of need. Father, I thank you that our lives reflect the hope that is found in you, drawing others closest to, to your heart. We thank you in advance for the testimonies, God. We thank you in advance that the faithful have come to complete the good work that you have started. And we declare that disappointment, we declare that discouragement no longer dwells in our lives, for we have been set free through our praise. We have been set free through our gratitude. We have been set free through our worship. And because we have chose to stay rooted and grounded in your word and make your word to confession our faith, we will see everything that you have said in this lifetime. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, that's the word for the day. Let's roll through these announcements real quick. Once again, if you guys have testimonies and things like that, you guys share. Share. Uh, I'll go read later on. Share. If you get whatever you got from the word, drop a testimony. Uh, I mean, not a testimony, drop a nugget in there. Let me see what you guys got because I'll be honest, I am still studying this out myself because. It is really easy to see that you can be discouraged and not even notice it. It's really easy to be there. So I pray that you ask God, God, shed light on my life in any areas of darkness where discouragement or disappointment may reside so I may see it and use your word to cut it away from me. All right. So let's roll through. All right. You guys know at FOC, we have 100% givers. So if, uh, and we thank God for our cheerful givers. We thank God for you. We thank God for OSC. Shout out to OSC. Uh, Y'all made Pastor Sean's birthday an excellent birthday. Man, the gifts that you guys continue to give over and over and over to celebrate our man and woman of God. I am so glad to be a member of Operation Snowy Cookie. This group that started a year or two ago to do this phenomenal thing for uh, Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean has really grown into a community where we're able to honor them. And so OSC, shout out. Thank you guys. Big hearts to you. I appreciate it. Uh, to everybody that tithes and gives to FOC, we're so grateful for the seeds that you have sown in this ministry and what you give us the ability to do, which is to teach the word around the world. So we're grateful for you. We're grateful for your your tithe and your offering, but we're also grateful for your commitment to this ministry and volunteering and teaching everybody that teaches Victory Zone and, and Ignite and you're, you're recording lessons at home and you're Zooming and you're making graphics and videos. We are grateful for you and we thank God for you. We declare a blessing over your life that you'll receive a hundredfold increase off of every seed that you've sown into this ministry. So we, we thank you for that. All right. Don't forget about uh, our services uh, this week. You guys know that uh, today's Sunday, so you know tomorrow. I'm not sure if Pastor Sean will have strategies for success. Uh, probably not, but you guys know it's there. Pastor Edwin is scheduled for Ed Talk on Tuesday at 12 noon. Uh, so you guys know where to get that from. You go to his, uh, the FOC page. Uh, you can go to his page and find that. Then, you know, Wednesday night prayers at 6. And then uh, we also have Wednesday night Bible study at 7. And in between that, at 7.15, we have Ignite uh, at 6.15. Get your kids plugged in. 
Man, and I just said this way, your kids, if they live in your house, they should have an option whether they get the word or not. <laughs> they obligated. Yeah, I mean, you, you can go to school, you can be on your phone, you can be on YouTube, you can be on TikTok. At 6.15, that's sacred time. Unless you had a ball game or a commitment, you're going to be on the night. And we got to make a demand for our kids to respect the word, to honor God, and to do the things they need to do because they will become adults. And if you don't build that foundation now, you'll be staring at a 23-year-old up here asking you for stuff and not knowing how to believe God, not knowing two scriptures they can rub together to have faith. So you got to start that now. And so shout out to Pastor Nitra, who is going to make sure, continue to do Bible basics to make sure our uh our kids are able to join in on that. I think I, we'll get y'all the next day on that because uh, I know we got spring break and things in March and there was a couple of events. So we'll get y'all the next dates on uh, the next Bible Basics for March. All right. And so uh, those are all the announcements. I'll see you guys Sunday. All right. Make sure to say yes. Be there Sunday for our huddle, in-person huddle, February 25th at our Northwest Arkansas location in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Make sure you do that. If you haven't signed up for Project 2024, I encourage you also to do that. All right. You guys be blessed. Make sure you pray for our pastors. We declare that they have safe tra travel home, no trouble of any kind. And we declare that lives will be changed by the word that they're spoken, as well as lives will be changed by the word that was spoken today. I love you guys so much. Be blessed and have a great Sunday afternoon. Bye-bye.